Okay, guys, while the sheets are going around, they want you to explain a little bit what Shir Chloe is and why we started it. When the yeshiva started, there was no Shir Chloe. I think it was actually by Aaron's idea to start it. And there are a couple of, uh, I think, things we accomplished. Okay, number one, first of all, there aren't so many times the whole yeshiva learned something together. Okay, so it's a nice opportunity to go have a collective learning, right, every Shanaf Shir and all of Shanabet. Number two, as I've said a couple of times, one of the things we really love about the yeshiva is that it's not all Gemara all the time, right? There's a focus on Tanakh, a focus on Machshava. But maybe sometimes we can like go to the opposite, where there's a sense that we're not really generating Gemara excitement, we're just generating like Jewish philosophy excitement. So it was also an attempt to generate some Gemara excitement. That is number two. And uh, number three is something, I'll just tell you how it works, guys. It's a four-part rotation. I give three, and then the rest of the staff rotates who gives the fourth. So you'll have a chance to hear other people. Okay, but I do give three out of four. And what I try to do is a little bit different than the yeshiva. If you ask your students, your friends, about the yeshiva, very often Shir Chloe is a Shir on the Masechet that the yeshiva is learning. So you, I would give them on a bracha topic. But I intentionally do it on a different topic, because I feel like in your morning share, you'll learn a lot about a certain slice of shots. But you won't really encounter ideas from other places. And I think that your colleague is a good uh, opportunity to hear about other parts of shots. Okay, so it's usually not going to be from Brachot or from Tuvot in the second half of the year, but it'll be on something else. Uh, the last thing, in case you're confused, okay, an odd custom emerged a few years ago. It's one of those famous Jewish customs which no one knows where it came from, that uh, people tend to wear Hawaiian shirts to share glowing. Now, this is really optional. You do not have to. But if you're curious why there were a lot of Hawaiian shirts here, that, that is why. Kind of interesting that even Sean Alva guys did not know about that. I guess word is out on this custom. But if you ever, I'll say two things. If you ever transfer to the mirror, a, Shir Kladi will be on the Masekha they're learning. B, don't wear your Hawaiian shirt to Shir Kladi. Okay? It's just for a right. Okay. So, what? Uh, no, that was just a one-year aberration. That, 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 that didn't catch on. You know, there's always some in Huggum that win the day and some that don't. That one did not win the day. Where, where's David Herman? Is he here? David Herman, where's your Solomon shirt? Okay, see? Your minute just didn't win. You lost out. You know, it's like the people who said, instead of turning the S-Rog upside down, we'll just leave it on the table. They just lost. Okay, here we go, guys. So we're going to discuss today uh, Yom Kippur topic. But let me just say one thing about one of the, two of the life skills you could get from learning Gemara. Obviously, there's reasons why learning Gemara is religiously significant. We'll discuss some other time. But I do think it could teach you analytic ability, and it could teach you to read carefully. And these are things that could help you in all walks of life, right? The ability to analyze and the ability to read carefully. We're going to see them both today. Okay, in fact, this is not true, but uh, I, I like to quote it anyway. There's a fellow named Moshe Schwartz who is now in from Yeshiva, who's now in Harvard Law School. And uh, Rav David Silverstein keeps claiming that he got into Harvard Law School because Rav David taught him how to analyze ideas in commercial. Okay, so if any of you guys ever get into Harvard Law School, I'm going to take credit this time. I'll say it's because he gave me your Okay, I'm just warning you ahead of time. Okay, so let's look at some of the halachot of Yom Kippur and try to both analyze them conceptually and read carefully. Okay, so let's go to a Mishnah. Now, just one interesting about Masechet Yoma, which is the Masechet about Yom Kippur, you only really get to our Yom Kippur in the last chapter. The first seven chapters are really not our Yom Kippur. Anyone guess what are the first seven chapters about? Okay, boss? Okay, but now if you think about it, Yom Kippur was a very different day when there was a Beit HaMikdash. Like, what famous thing went on when there was a Beit HaMikdash? Remember the two goats, the Sir Lashem and the Sir Lazazel? So seven chapters discuss the Avodah. It's more Beit HaMikdash centered. And then when you finally get to the eighth chapter, it's kind of our Yom Kippur, right? Our prohibitions and our T-load and how that works. So let's say you're the first mission in the eighth chapter. Yom HaKvim Asur, you can't eat or drink. You can't wash yourself, take a shower. You can't rub yourself with creams or oils. You can't wear leather shoes. And you can't have relations. Now, it is famously known as the Chamisha Inuyik. We'll discuss that term in a second. Anyone who did a count might notice that they just reached six. So why do we call it the Chamisha Inuyik? Yeah. Very good. So Eli's totally correct. We group together Achila and Shriya. Jojo, did you know that? Yes. Okay, great. Okay. Can, can I tell the whole issue about it? 
Okay, guys. Sometimes life has these fateful moments. In 10th grade, Eli and JoJo were both in the honors track in Flatbush. And for some unknown reason, JoJo was dropped from the honors track. And since then, their life has totally diverged. Right? Eli is a total success, and JoJo is struggling. Okay, so uh, I don't know what happened there. I don't know what happened there in 10th grade, guys, but that was a, that was a fateful moment. Okay. So next. Okay, so there is something funny, though, that... Uh, happens in elementary school. What do my school teachers do in Jewish schools? They want to teach the kids that they're five Inuyim. So what's their clever method? But maybe they feel funny talking about sexual relations in second grade. So they tend to drop Tashmish Hamita and count Achila and Shtias too. It's a famous second grade method. Right? But again, they're five Inuyim and Eli's right. It's because Achila and Shtia are, are grouped together. Okay, let's keep reading. Okay, now comes something we might not expect. There are a lot of leniencies. A king or a bride, somehow there's a greater urgency, a greater need for the king to look good or for a bride to look good. So they could wash their face on Yom Kippur. And a woman who gave birth, will let her be more comfortable? She's allowed to wear leather shoes. says this, and the Chamin prohibited. So already I think we can ask our first analytical question. When we find such leniencies, what is kind of a good way to understand where would such leniencies come from? What might they reflect? And notice, where did we find leniencies? When it came to washing, when it came to shoes, we didn't seem to find leniencies for eating and drinking. It didn't say, oh, the king could have a nice lunch, or the bride could go to dinner. So I make a suggestion where, what leniencies might reflect? Why would there be leniencies in a law? Yeah. Okay, excellent. So Mark Adler is suggesting that maybe somehow Achila and Shtia are the essence, and there's something different about the other prohibitions. And we could, uh, Mark's absolutely right, that's a good analytical move. But if we spell a little more, we might ask, what is the difference? And just to toss out two possibilities, is it, let's say, Doraita Dorabanan, that would be a classic move, or two different kinds of Doraitas? But again, we're already looking for what is it about, oh, eating and drinking is one kind of prohibition where we're not going to find exceptions. And washing and putting on leather shoes, that's a different kind of prohibition where we'll have exceptions. Mark? How can there be a color? Oh, very good. So clearly Mark Adler's right. We're probably not getting married on Yom Kippur. So if you look at Rashi, Rashi's our friend. What does Rashi say? Ba'akala. I'm on the third line of Rashi in source three. She needs to look beautiful to become beloved to her husband. So Rashi was sent to point mark. I don't know how Rashi picks a certain time. Maybe it's in the command, I don't remember. But there's a 30-day period after your wedding that you're still defined as a kala. And therefore, for those 30 days, she could wash her face, etc. Okay, Josh, you have the same question? Okay, do you want to say something about the Tanya? <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. Quincy. I knew someone was going to say that. You're saying, what better day to get married than Yom Kippur? Okay, yeah, but you know, it's going to like hurt the, like, you know, uh, the cuisine at the, at the wedding dinner. Okay. Yeah, okay. Eli, and I raise your hand, right? Okay. Okay, we go. Let us now, ah, let us now I'm going to another question. So we're going to come back to that again. But again, we have these certain leniencies. We're trying to figure out what those leniencies reflect. Okay, now look at this. This is also interesting if you think analytically. Ha'ochel, if you eat, ka'kotevet ha'gasa, that's a kind of date, right? Kamok garintav ha'shotem alugmav chayav. That's the amount of what we call the shi'ur, the lach amount that would make you liable, right? Usually when there's a prohibition, but certainly in the world of eating and drinking, it's not any amount. There's a certain amount that makes you liable. And if you think about it, guys, in the old days, it's very logical, right? They would not have rulers necessarily. What would they use? Things that are at hand. So often, what might you use? What's some classic things for halakhic measurements, right? So again, eggs, olives, we know kibetza, kizayans, right? What else do you have often for measurements? Okay, again, guys, I'm gonna say a terrible joke, but rabbis allowed to say terrible jokes. Okay, they would use like, this is a tefach, right, a fist. An ama, right? Because they needed to use things that were at hand. Sorry. Okay. But uh, in any case, in any case, thank you, Mark. Okay. In any case, let's think for a second, guys. Again, I think if we're an analytic thinker, we'll notice something unusual here. In halacha, what is the standard halachic measurement for food? 
What is what is what, what do we tend to expect? Kazayim, right? All over the place. Like, think about Pesach night. What will people tell you? How much matzah you have to eat? A kazayim. And then you'll have a family discussion. How much matzah is a kazayim? Right? That is the standard thing. Or maybe even to use another Pesach thing, which I'm not going to explain why right now. It might say in your Haggadah, when you're eating karpas, and what it says? Don't eat a kazayim. Right, so we seem to have kazayat being an olive mount, being the standard way to go. Notice what happens in Yom Kippur all of a sudden. We have a different shiur. Instead of it being the size, the volume of an olive, it has suddenly become a certain kind of thing. So I think we have to ask, what happened that things shifted? Why is it not the standard shiur? Does anyone have a suggestion? No, Brimbeam. Perhaps the idea of a kazayas is about like benching or some sort of being like... That, that, you have, that you have an obligation to bench, but just like, you know, a beta is more of like a satiation thing. Ah, you just think very interesting in terms of the word satiation. We'll come back to that in a second. Um, no, where are you going for Shabbos? I'm in. Okay, are you going to keep your vegetarian streak alive? Oh, yeah. Okay, excellent. Still no temptations whatsoever? No temptations. When you walk by a chatzir, you don't smell it? Okay. Okay, amazing. It smells What? It smells like, yeah, you don't smell the shawarma? Shawarma doesn't smell? No, because the says that you should smell it. That's like a little... Okay. Quincy, you're a religious fanatic, Quincy. Okay. All right. Does anyone have another suggestion? Okay, but let's go to the following, guys. Who, let's try to figure out, I'm going to ask a question maybe relate to both questions. We've raised two topics, right? Why do Achila B'Shtiyah play out differently than the other prohibitions? The other prohibitions have these leniencies. And we've asked, why does the shiur suddenly change from an olive to a date? Okay, great. So maybe we should start with the psukim. Okay, so how did the psukim tell us not to eat on Yom Kippur? This might be a great trick that will change everything. What did the psukim say? Is there a in the Torah... Is there a possible like that? Okay, Eli. Okay, amazing. Jojo, did you know that? Okay. Amazing, amazing, guys. One moment in life. Okay, so uh, so in any case, in any case, it, we, what are most eating prohibitions? We expect something like don't eat. That will be the verb. Right? Covenant is the verb. It's don't eat. Tokal. But that's not what it says. Eli is totally right. What does it say about Yom Kippur? Afflict your souls. This is what I mean by being a close reader. Like, if you're not a close reader, okay, what difference does it make? No, but language matters. Maybe achila is one thing, and inui, or trying to achieve inui, is something different. So let's go to that. I think uh, you're totally on the right track, and I think Noah Birnbaum was heading in this direction. Let's look at source four. Okay. This Date, you should know it's bigger than an egg. The Kimul Rabban, what did the Rabban know? The Bahaki with this amount, Miyatva Date. Okay, guys, we are now going to teach you a little bit of Aramaic. Okay, when we go from Hebrew, here are two good rules for life. One good rule for life is how do you make a Hebrew word an Aramaic word? You just put an Aleph at the end. For example, how do you say the world in Aramaic? Alma. So notice what happened the world Olam became Alma. Okay, how do you say three in Aramaic? Tlot. Oh, someone always says tray. Okay, what is... Gooby, what's tray in Aramaic? Okay, Gooby, can I give you like the worst mnemonic device ever, but you'll never forget it? Yeah. Okay. But it has to, we're, I'm going to test you in a month, okay? Okay, so for some reason people often get confused. Tlot is three, tray is two. I'm going to give you a terrible mnemonic device, but it's going to work. You guys ready? Okay, here we go. Okay, as you guys know, in basketball now, there's something called a three-pointer. Okay, now since you are young, you may not be aware that that did not exist in my young childhood. I don't remember what year it started, maybe in the 1980s at some point. There was no such thing as a three-pointer. Okay, you guys aware of that? That's a change? Okay, in the history of basketball? Okay, next. What in slang, how do we often refer to a three-pointer? It's a tray. But that means that in Talmudic times, a tray was worth two. Okay, guys? So, Gooby, let's see if that works too, okay? Tray is two. Okay? A slot is three. Okay, so let's go back. Let's go back to what? It's true, Quincy. That might be that might be a much easier method, but much less fun. Okay. Now, what tends to happen to shins in Hebrew? Shins in Hebrew tend to become tough sounds in Aramaic. So, if you think about it, tlot is simply the word shalosh becoming tlot. Okay. So, very often, guys, if you read an Aramaic term, I'm saying it all the time. 
But if you have a T sound, maybe ask yourself, oh, if I put a shit in there, would I then understand? Right? Maybe if I say, oh, this is a version of the Hebrew shin becoming a tough, it might help. Okay, got the two little rules. Aleph at the end, and make a shin into a tough. So tlot is three. So let's go back here. Miyat vadate. So let's do the rule. It would be miyashev dato. I don't know what the phrase a yishuv hadat might be. What would a yishuv hadat be? What does it do? Well, let, let's do a little, uh, oh, we're going to learn Mahdi Hebrew. What a day. It's going to be a fun day here. What's a yishuv? A settlement. So let's just make that noun into a verb. Very good, no verb Miyashev dato. It settles your mind. It calms you down. <clears throat> so what's this idea? It's not fun to be hungry. And you want to feel more settled. So apparently, what's the claim? Kotevet according to the rabbis, is the volume of food that will settle your mind. You feel, okay, now I'm not bothered. Again, it's not that I'm, you know, full, but I'm not bothered anymore. That's the issue. Now, why would Yishu Hadad be the criteria? So I think let's go back to what you guys said before, to Eli and to Noah, right? Maybe the word achila has a formal definition. Whenever the Torah uses the verb achila, how much is achila? Okay, okay that, so that's what we'll plug in. So when it comes to matzah, oh, you have to do an act of achila. That's a kezai. When it comes to chamet, you have to avoid an act of achila. That's a kezai. But since, as Eli said, the Torah doesn't say achila. It says you have to promote inoy. Guys, what do you say? What's a good translation of inoy? Affliction, suffering. So maybe it depends on whether you feel settled or not. It's not this formal act of achila which is defined by a kezai. Are you settled? And then apparently Chazal said, well, what would make you feel settled? And yet, if you're settled, you're not in a place of Inui. When you eat the amount that is Kotevet HaGasah. So here's a good example, guys, of combining close reading with analytic ability. But you realize since the Torah phrased it differently, that leads to a different criteria. Criteria is not about formal Achilah, it's about what creates Inui, what doesn't create Inui. And that's why Yom Kippur has a different shiur than... Uh, there are other halachot. Now, one last thing, guys. Even though when I analyze tomorrow, I'm not so interested in the practicality. Yeah, I like the theoretical ideas. But this could have practical implications. So I don't know if you know, but if any of your friends has ever had a health condition where the doctors told them to eat on Yom Kippur, maybe they told them to eat like a, less than a shiur every certain amount of minutes. Did anyone ever know someone did that? Yeah. Right? So, but now it really matters what the shiur is, right? It's not necessarily less than a kazayat every whatever minutes. But eat less than a kotev gasa. So this actually does have practical implications. Okay, Quincy. Excuse me, someone, let me make a parallel with the Nobis and the Kodamim. Interesting. There, I, would, I might even go with a third criteria, because I think the way the halach is formulated is that it's kind of like arrogant to eat before davening. So I wouldn't so much go with like, sit on the mind, but what kind of eating is an arrogant eating? Right? Having a cup of coffee just so you'll feel alert is not an arrogant eating. Right? Yeah. Surely it's all about, you know, your time to fix up, then you don't want to set it up. So you shouldn't. No, that's the point. Why is it problematic to eat a Kotebra Gasa? Because then I, I haven't fulfilled the mitzvah of Inui. That's exactly right. That's exactly the point. Oh, we got a Shanaal comment. Excellent. Mati. And where did the vision again that is quite happy to Oh, it's a good question. We're going we're to move on. Okay? No, but in theory, Mati, couldn't... Okay, uh, let's go another... Mati, here's a very good point. If the verb is inui, couldn't in theory be... Yeah, that might be another difference. If it had said achila, it would be limited. Yeah. Couldn't inui in theory also relate to taking a shower? Maybe not taking a shower helps promote inui. Okay, very good. Okay, we'll get to your point in a second. Okay, very good. Mati, did you just say self whippings? What did you just say? What? You see, you wouldn't think of cream you'd think of? Like self All right, wow. Is that because you studied like medieval Christian stuff in England? Yes. Wow. I just told the word. No, what do you mean? He was a, he's an expert on medieval Christian suffering. Mati, are you more are you more Franciscan or more Dominican? Where do you go? You're Franciscan. Okay. No, I get, you're also an extremist. Okay. Yeah. 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 You're surprised at that? Look, I admit, I'm cheating a little bit because you guys just asked me, had in the format of the people become a desire. Like, why is that the definition of the verb? I admit, I haven't really worked out as far as that. 
Okay, so we'll leave that aside for now. But I still think it works out well that Achila goes a certain direction and Inui goes a different direction. Okay, any other comments? We're good? Okay, great. So let's move on to, we'll, we'll explore Mati's question a little bit. We'll see that uh, the Gemara had a brief moment when it wanted to go the Franciscan route and decides not to. Okay, everyone look at source seven. Okay, Sam Copley, you okay there? Yeah, okay, good. You look a little like uh, lethargic. Okay, great. Everyone go to source seven. Here's the Pasek, you're supposed to engage in Inui. Now, this is a great thing to know, guys, a classic Talmudic phrase. Okay, when the Gemara used the word Yachol, what's it doing? It's always, you might think X, but what happens to every Yachol in the world? It's knocked down. Okay, so as soon as you see the word Yachol, you know what's happening. Okay, Zevi Kirstein, how do you know to wear a Hawaiian shirt? Okay, great. How come you had a Hawaiian shirt? Oh, you're saying you're just a Hawaiian shirt guy. Yeah. Okay, well. Okay. Yachol, you might think. Yeshei Bahama. What should I do? I should sit in the heat. Obit Sina. Now, just from context, guys, what's Sina? Cold. So I'll give you a little modern Hebrew again, guys. If you want to say, right, to an Israeli that you have a cold, you might say, Ani Mitsunan. Did you ever hear that phrase before? In a tunnel, you know that from being Israeli, right? <laughs> yep. Oh, okay. Didn't your dad speak you in Hebrew? Yeah. Did you know that word, Mitsunan? Ah, uh, there you go. Okay, never, never came up. Okay, excellent. Who else uh, has Israeli pair? That's it. Okay, I think did they speak to you in Hebrew? Oh, what a mistake. Okay. Young duck. All right, all right, guys. I'm gonna give you some advice. You probably don't need me to give you anyway. Okay, please, God, a certain percentage room is gonna make aliyah. When you make Aliyah, you might be caught up in Zionist fanaticism. And in your Zionist fanaticism, you might say, we don't speak the language of the Gentiles anymore. We only speak Hebrew, the Lashon HaKodesh. And then you speak to your kids in Hebrew. It is a huge mistake. You could give your kids such a gift. It is a gift to have two languages by the age of five. Right? So don't worry. They'll get, unless you live in, I don't know, Beit Shemesh, they'll get Hebrew. Right? They'll get Hebrew in school. Right? So speak to your kids in English, and you'll see at the age of five, they're fluent in two languages. It's a great thing. Okay, so Mitsunan is to be cold, have a cold. So now, maybe you'd think you should sit in the heat or the cold. Kadeshi, it's the air. What's Kadeshi, it's the air? So that, so here is your point, right, Mati? Maybe how do you feel annoyed? You actively seek out suffering. Okay, Talmud Lomar Vachom Lacha Lotasu, Mam Lacha Sheval Taseh, Af Inunutha Sheval Taseh. She says a drasha that says, without getting to the drasha, what does it mean, Sheval Taseh? This is something you fulfill passively. Okay, so we have a drasha to explain that Inui is not actively done, you don't self flagellate out there, but rather it's done passively. Okay, great. Now let's go a little further. You can still ask, okay, so we know it's passive, and indeed that's what we do, right? We refrain from eating and drinking. We refrain from taking a shower. But still, how would you know which specific things it is? Okay, here we go. So it says here, Again, without getting to the drusha, what's ravon? Hunger. Now we get to some really fascinating guys. I'm throwing this in not so much for halachic analysis, but more for interesting machshama, uh, and interesting psychology. What is the, here's a pasuk about the man. What does God say about the man? man I fed you man in the desert. In order to? Now, what do you think, guys? Does that pasuk make sense? How is the man an affliction? Who would like to suggest that a reading of this pasuk? God says, I fed you man in the desert in order to afflict you. Ari Berman, what do you say? Uh, excellent. Ari Berman understands the world. Okay, maybe there is something psychologically we do not like dependency. We like to be in charge of our own, in, in control of the situation. I think that is a natural human tendency. And even if you think you have the greatest thing ever, that God is providing one, the sense that you're always dependent. I always have to go out there and I'm not in control. I need God to decide every day to have the one come down from heaven. Maybe there's something psychologically troubling about that. Okay? We don't like dependency. Excellent. Yeah. Ah, meaning maybe the, I think what Josh is saying is maybe the Inui is not the man. The Inui was, well, we don't have food without man. Right. So maybe that's, so obviously that would change the conversation. Very good. Anyway, the third suggestion? Or, yeah, Mark? This happens, um, like, uh, with, with a triad, I think, to Abba, so, like, we get sick in the man. 
Okay, so maybe they're bored somehow. Exactly. Okay, now here's one quick thing, guys. Even though it's not a chumashir, okay, but as you guys in my chumashir know, we like to differentiate between pshat and drash. Okay, so in your mind, guys, what were you all taught in elementary school about mun? It tastes like whatever you want. Whatever you want. Whatever you want. It sounds great. You envision pizza, Johnny Cornboom. You envision salmon for lunch and chicken for dinner. Oh, that's a question. That's an interesting question. Like, did the mun only have that taste, or it took on that, like, you know, dietary property? Okay, <laughs> I, I, I know I've ever asked that question before. Okay, I have to give Johnny Corbin a little credit. Okay, you, that's why you should never assume that younger siblings will be just like the older siblings. Okay, his older brother tended to eat out quite frequently. Okay, and I would make fun of him for eating out all the time and never come to the yeshiva. Now, Johnny, in some ways, is the polar opposite. It's true, he never eats in yeshiva either. Okay, but he has not gone to a restaurant yet. He is always just cooking his own salmon and chicken. That is much more impressive than just going to a restaurant. Very impressive, Johnny. Okay, so that's nice. So there's a midrash that the mun tasted like whatever you wanted it to. Okay, what does it say in the psukim actually, guys? It actually, there are two different psukim, but they both give it a very specific taste. One is like, I think, Tzapichit Bidvash. And what's the other one? Leshet Hashaman, I think, is the other one. So, in the simple reading, the man actually did it. So, you could, in theory, say, it's easy to say that they got bored. Okay, so let's read the Gemara a little bit more. So, the Gemara again is trying to work out the word Inui. It thinks that Inui has to do with food. And now it's saying, wait, in the man, it's called Inui. So, look at the two explanations. They're fascinating. Rav Amir Vasi, Chadamar, one said, Eino Doma, you can't compare. Mi Shiyeshlo Pat. This is a great Talmudic phrase. You guys all try using this phrase. Someone who's got bread in his basket, umisha ain't low pot Someone who doesn't have bread in the basket. Guys, what do you think? What, what does that rabbinic idiom mean? What does it mean to have bread in your basket? What do you think? Yes, eating. Okay, good. Okay, but I'll give you a hint, guys. Yeah. Uh, very good. Very good. Does that just remind me of your first name? Isaac. Okay, Isaac's absolutely right. It's really the point that Ari Berman made before. Pot basal is a way of saying, I feel in control. Why do I feel in control? Oh, because I've already got some bread stored up in my basket. That's pot basal. If I don't have pot basal, it means I'm dependent. So Lamar picks up a very good, an Ari psychological point. Maybe not the hunger is the healing, actually receiving the money is the healing. Nobody likes dependency, or most people don't like dependency. Okay, great. Let's keep reading. This is also interesting. The Chadama, what does the other one say? Ah, now we get to, is anybody here considering going to culinary school? Any future chefs of Israel? Ari Tatark, are you really thinking about culinary school? You you graduated from culinary school? Uh, I did it, well, yeah, I did it Where, in Melbourne? Yeah. Okay, wow. wow. When did you sneak in? While in high school? Wait, your Lubavitch High School has a culinary option? Wait, <laughs> <laughs> okay, so it's getting even better. You were allowed to travel to the girls' school to major in your culinary studies? What? No, but literally, all the guys in culinary major went to the girls' school to, to cook? That's hilarious. How many guys took this option? Ten. Okay, did anyone take it because they were interested in girls and not in cooking? <laughs> how come we how can we go through all last year? I never found out this fact about you. That's that's, that's, that's astounding. Okay, great. Okay, so anybody who goes to co did, did any of you guys some of that guys know that? No. Okay. Okay, so are you keeping like a secret from us all these years? I definitely mentioned these things. Wait, I have another question. All last year, did you ever cook dinner for yourself? No. What about your, all those skills you picked up in culinary school? <laughs> uh, you know, I, I'm sorry to say, it, right. I suspect you were there for the other purpose. Okay. So it's true. Ari Tartak, he, he's too much going on. Like, we can't get to everything. It's true. Okay. I already have like six things to make fun of him. I, I, didn't, I didn't need seven. Okay. So, uh, so in any case. Ah, but won't they tell you that a big part of life is presentation? That the food is not just a question of how it tastes, but how it smells, how it looks. That impacts your enjoyment. All right, they work on that on presentation also? There you go. Okay, so what's the claim now about the mun? Why is the mun inui based on that? Ah, Johnny, get back to this, right? It might have had a certain taste, but it didn't have that appearance. Maybe it didn't have that texture, right? And look what it says here. Amravyos, mikan remis, lesumen. Blind people, 
Sheochlin, they eat the Ein Sveyin, and they are not satisfied. Okay, so this is not my topic. I just thought it was fascinating, right, that when the Gemara is discussing Inuay, it's trying to figure out why the Mun was an Inuay. Again, it has two approaches. Either the Mun was an Inuay because it's dependency, or the Mun was an Inuay because you lack the full appreciation of food because you just had the taste without the larger experience. Okay, now we get this one more thing just for entertainment value, and then we'll get back to the topic. Okay, there is a, okay, there's an unfortunate stereotype of Hasidish or Abeim that's not always true. The stereotype is, oh, they're good at Hasidos, they're not so good at Gemara. That's not what they do. Okay, which is true in some cases, but there's some very good exceptions. So, for example, the Sfat Emet was a Ger Rebbe. He wrote a parish on Shas that I think is terrific. Okay, so don't say, oh, he's a Ger Hasid, obviously, Gemara was not Okay, he wrote an excellent parish on Gemara. I really enjoy it. In fact, I even bought a copy for both of my brothers, so I think they never use it. Okay, but uh, this Svaramid, I have to admit, even though I love his parish, he asks a really wacky question here. Okay, you know, so even good people should have wacky questions. Okay, so look at this, guys. Look at this question. Source 8. What emerges from the Gemara we just saw in Yoma? That eating the mud itself is an act of Inuit. That is a wacky question. What does he claim? If on Yom Kippur I'm just trying to promote Inuoi and not get out of the Inuoi category, well, you just told me that Iman is Inuoi. So guess what? Here's this radical Kiddush. You can eat man on Yom Kippur. Okay. Okay. So I don't think it's such a strong question, but I will point out what one of you said. Let's keep reading. Ah, upirish ko okay, one second. Ah, Ivra in the second line. Ivra do Fimash Putu Besefa Tosevi Yom Kippur Mudaftiv Vyanchivacha Pirish. What would get out of the question? If Ayancha means one of you said this, right? Like mind me who said it. Kodem Shiratlam Haman. What's the claim? No, don't go with that Gemara that the Inui refers to. Wait, we can't go on without the Immaculate Vibe. Where are you going? Okay, that's fine. Okay. Even, by the way, right there, even the bathrooms have an immaculate vibe. Okay, so here we go. Down in our dorms. That's true. We need water for immaculate Oh, we have to have first figure out what the world an immaculate vibe is, and then we try to analyze it. Okay, so what's the claim, though, guys? What would solve the problem altogether? If the Inu refers to? Yes. What do you, who suggested that, right? What do you suggest that, right? The Inu is not the Mon. The Inu is the situation before the Mon. So obviously, if that would be true, it would solve this last problem. I think there are other solutions. I just wanted to point out kind of a, an interesting question that somebody asked. Okay, let's turn the page now. We're doing great here, guys. Okay, we're going to get to close reading once again. Okay, so let's go to the Ritva. Okay, we still have to get back to our opening question, which is how come we have two categories, one which doesn't admit to leniency, like eating and drinking, and one which does admit to leniency, which was showering and drinking. Okay, so now, oh, actually, I just have to further the question a little bit because I want to teach you a phrase. I, you know, I, I like to teach you phrases. Okay, we're going to see some even bigger leniencies. Who, what, so far, based on the Mishnah, where did we see washing leniencies? Who was allowed to wash? Two people? The king and the bride. Okay, look at the Gemara, guys. The Gemara goes even further. So I'm in source 10 now, and I am on the end of the second line. Can you see where I am? Tanarabana? Okay, guys, look, let's count the leniencies. Tanarabana. You want to get somewhere? In certain circumstances, we'll let you wade through a pool, wade through a river to get there. Now, what was the first part, guys? What's, what value are you trying to realize here? And what that means, you're trying to greet. Very good, Mark. So it's pretty amazing, right? Oh, you want to greet your dad or your Rebbe? Guess what? You could wade through a pool on Yom Kippur to do so. Pretty big leniency. Next, Rava goes even further. Rava shara l'bnei avar yamina. What did he allow? Right, shara is shari to allow. L'mavar b'maya. Oh, everyone should know now. Maya is obviously just Aramaic word for What a right. Mayan becomes maya. L'avar b'maya. Ah, now the best things come up, guys. L'niture peiri. Does anyone know what natur means in Aramaic? You all know this word, you just don't realize you know this word. Ah, very good. Okay, guys, see, you can get, if you listen to Sheer and the Tangents, you're going to become an educated person. Okay? But if you lose sleep, you're not become an educated person as we speak. Okay, as a fact, you woke up just in time. Okay, here we go. So, guys, there is a famous radical anti-Zionist group called the Ture Karta. Okay, you, I don't know if you ever wondered why in the world should they be called the Ture Karta. Any idea what the Ture Karta means? 
Okay, so here it is, guys. So it's a fake, once I quote you this midrash, you'll all understand exactly what they're doing. Like, I don't like the group at all, but they did a clever move when they picked their name. Okay, you gotta be honest. Okay, there's a midrash that says as follows. A bunch of rabbis are talking, and they say, oh, you see those soldiers over there? Are they the nature karta? Nature means to watch, to protect, and karta means a city. Okay, so they say, are they the nature karta? Are they those that protect the city, that watch over the city? And the answer in that Gemara is, no, no, they're the haruve karta. They're the people that... Haruve Kurban, they're the people that destroy the city. Oh, see those rabbis over there? They are the Neture Karta. So if you want to have an ideology, which is, you know, being a rabbi in Meisharim is more important than being a chayal on the Lebanese border, that is a good Gemara for you. Right? So it's not an accident that the Neture Karta decided to call themselves Neture Karta, but just realize that the word Natar is Aramaic for Shamar, right, to guard. Okay, so now let's plug it in back here. Super leniency. What are we allowed to do now? You can even go through order. Linature Perry. What would that be, guys? To guard your fruit. Like, there's a rumor that somebody's stealing your fruit out in the orchard on Yom Kippur, right? By the way, unfortunately, sometimes thieves who know about Jewish law do try to steal on Yom Kippur because they have a sense that everybody's going to be in shul. Now's a good time to, to be a thief. I, I guess some of them might be Jewish thieves. Okay, but what? Yeah, Yom Kippur is a good example. Correct. So now, made it easy. Oh, you could wade through water to go protect your fruit. So we seem to be really lenient. We've extended even more. We had the king, we had the bride. Now we even have greeting your dad and protecting your fruit. Joshi. How could Rabbi Yehuda and Yehuda not also argue that Okay, except for one thing. Uh, this is interesting. Okay. Josh is a very interesting question, but apparently with kings, oh, Eli Bernswag, this is for you. You know what amazing halacha about kings? They have to get haircuts very frequently. Okay, wow, what a halacha. Okay, so uh, a king, apparently has the halakhic value that the king look good. Now, maybe everybody wants to look good, but there's no halachic principle that a Kohen is supposed to look good. So there is a difference there. Why a Kohen? He doesn't have to look good. He could be ugly. Ah, okay. I'm sorry. I, I think a vote is a different category. I thought you meant that he could just like take a shower so like his hair, his hair looks good. I miss you. I'm by apologize. That is a good question. Okay. Did everyone set a hand up? Okay, we're good? Okay, great. Okay, so now, guys, we need an answer. What's going on that all of a sudden we have all these super leniencies? Okay, so let us go to the Ridva in source 11. It says the Ridva, Yoma Kippur Masur Bachlivishta, Pirish Asur Min HaTorah Bachlivishta, Verechitza Vesicha Vinila Rasandal, Vatajmita Eina Masur Mela. There you go. So, as Mark Gather said, maybe there's a different status between some of these Surim. This would be a very easy and neat split. Really, the biblical inuit is only about eating and drinking. That's why it's more chabor. We don't tend to have so many leniencies in deraitas. In abundance, we have a ton of leniencies. So all the other prohibitions, not showering, not anointing yourself, not wearing leather shoes, are rabbinic. Since they're rabbinic, they lend themselves, once you have pressure on the other side, they lend themselves to certain leniencies. Everyone's good so far with that? Quincy, what's bothering you? Okay. So now, let us go to source 9, and we're going to get the close reading once again. Okay, we're, once again, we're all going to be close readers. Let's go back to source 9. John Wayne, how you doing? Okay, guys, I have to tell you something about John Wayne. I thought when the year started that the most interesting thing about him is his name. It's not even close to the most interesting thing about him. Okay, John Wayne is going to university next year to study the following two things. Chinese culture and drama. Okay, that's pretty exciting that people are studying, is that correct, Chinese culture and drama? Chinese culture and drama, but now I'm going to get things to get a little more complicated, right, guys? Let's say we try to be an integrationist person. We want to put it all together. Okay, so what would happen in John Wayne's ideal universe? He would study Chinese drama, right? Because that would get his two loves together. But we're not done yet. Okay, apparently he's very particular. He only likes improv. Okay, I don't know why, but he only likes improv. Like he refuses to act in Hamlet because it's not improv. Okay, so now we need a Chinese drama that is improv. Okay, but now, just to make life even more interesting, okay, there's somebody else in Yeshiva who likes to be on stage, and that is Elyon. Okay, but Elyon is also very particular. Not a lot of particular guys this year. He only likes musicals. Okay, so if Elyon and John Wayne start a company together, it will be Chinese drama that is a musical improv. Okay, that is a great genre. I think you guys could corner the market, go for it, and uh, 
We're good to go. Okay. Is it, by the way, Elion, yeah. is there such a thing as musical improv? You don't sound so confident. Yeah, yeah guys, is there such a thing as musical improv? Okay. No, but I don't mean like a, a jazz musician. Like a musical, you know, like Les Mis. Yeah. Oh, yeah? Really? Who, who does it? <laughs> what? What? No, Bo Burnham has set words. He doesn't like make it up on the spot. No, no, no. Sometimes he does like. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's really talented, actually. Wow. Okay, I'll tell you one last funny. The guys don't want to finish this year. Okay, so um, my my kids really appreciate that I told you this. Okay, they like when I bring them in this year. Okay, so my kids like Bo Burnham. That's why I know some of his songs. And then one of my sons also really likes a band called the Mountain Goats. Who knows, who's heard of the Mountain Goats? Oh, okay. It was Josh Shane, right? Josh Shane was Wait, not a single Sean Alf guy's heard the Mountain Goats? Wow, they're really obscure. Okay. I told my son, he's been very disappointed. Okay, but now I am not a musical connoisseur at all. But for some strange reason, every time he puts on the Mountain Goats, it sounds to me like Bo Burnham. Okay? <laughs> the lead singer has a weird voice. So, guys, give it a shot. Okay, after, during lunch break, put on one Mountain Goat song and tell me if you think I'm crazy. Okay, so my son thinks it's ridiculous. He thinks, like, Abba, you have no ear for music whatsoever. Okay, but I have a good argument against him, which is when he puts out a song, and it's a Mountain Goat song that I've never heard before, I always identify correctly. I say, Tzadok, it's Mountain Goats. And if he says to me, how do you know? I answer, because it sounds just like Burnham. So I can't be crazy, right? Because I'm, I'm consistently, successfully identifying the Mountain Goat song. So I, I think I have a good argument that I must be right. But okay, so you guys can think about it's a good argument or not. Okay, so now we're going to get back into close reading once again. Okay, here we go. Go to source nine. Okay, now what are we arguing so far? That only eating and drinking is biblical. That's why they're more stringent. What does the first source say in source nine? Hani chamisha inuyan keneged me. The more likes to do this, right? Oh, where do we get five inuyan from? What does it rip? What does it correspond to? Keneged chamisha inuyan shebetora. Apparently, if I look at all the Yom Kippur passages in the Torah, how many times does the verb inuy appear or the kinds of inuy appear? Five. Okay. Now, someone could argue because you guys are going to think, wait, this shows the mitzvah is wrong because if we derive it from the psukim then its status should be the right time. So does this language challenge the ritva, or does it not, at the end of the day, challenge the ritva? So does anyone have a suggestion? Ah, so let us go to the Russian source 12. This will be the second, guys. You've been held up well, getting used to the first year of Chloe. Okay, source 12 will be the second to last source of the day. Now we'll do a summary. Okay, here we go. Right, who else should we check on here? Okay. Yuri, have a good time. Okay, good. Does it beat like going to beat eating out at Pico Robertson? Yeah. Oh, wow. What a guy. Thanks for the support. Hey, Jake, you agree? Even better than Jeff's, right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> All right, that, that, I guess that's pushing it, I suppose. Pushing, pushing. Okay. Next week's year will be even better than Jeff's. Okay, so let's go to source 12. Let's see what uh, the rush says. Pirishri, Dahani Drusho. These drusho, asmachta ba'almaninu. Okay, how many guys have encountered this idea before? That even though the Gemara seems to be getting it from a pasuk, what's an asmachta? The pasuk isn't really the source. It was really a rabbinic idea, which they hung on a pasuk afterward. That's called an asmachta. Okay, now how does he know that, though? Because you can always say that. You can always say, oh, it wasn't a real drusha, it was just an asmachta. What, what justifies saying that? Okay, here we go. Uh, all of them are really rabbinic with the exception of eating and drinking fascinating he's going to say the Gemara actually supports my reading why? this is a great example of close reading the Kamar, what's the Gemara's language? sometimes you ask what it doesn't say this is great if this would be true through Shas it would be a great rule I just don't know if it's true through Shas he says, if the Gemara says Minalan, from where do I know something? What's it doing? Minalan is looking for an authentic drasha. What is really the halachic source of this idea? So if I have a drasha after a Minalan, it's a real drasha. And therefore the concept is actually Doraita. Ah, but even think about it, guys. What is the language of Kinegan Me? What kind of resonance does that have? That's kind of, oh, the search for some kind of symbolism. It's a much broader concept. It's not really, oh, if you wanted to make some kind of symbolic parallel, what would you do? Oh, you know what? You want a source for five Inuyim? Take note of the fact that it says the word Inuy 
five times in Torah. The, the Rosh claims that it's exactly the opposite. This Gemara does not attack his idea. It supports his idea. When the Gemara says things like, Kinegid me, it is not actually the source. And I'm, I'm going to bring you some more supports, guys. Uh, here's some good supports. If you ever learn either Megillah or Brachot, here's some places where it says Kinegid me. If I recall correctly, it says when it comes to the three people who get an Aliyah, I think it says the three people get an, uh, get an Aliyah on Monday and Thursday, Kinegid me. Now, guys, could that be Doraita Drasha? No, because all the whole institution of Kriyat Torah is rabbinic. If I recall correctly, I think the Gemara might do this for the Shvona Esrei also. I think the Gemara says Shvona Esrei Brachot. Can I give me? Does anyone remember? I think there's a Gemara in Brachot that does that. Maybe Brachot Edmundila. Now again, guys, according to almost all opinions, the Amida is rabbinic. So maybe that shows that connected me is not an authentic search for a drasha. Connected me is just about symbolism. We want to make some kind of connection. It's not a so then the rush works out very well, right? It's easy to say that, oh, the Kinegami is not truly saying that all these Yemim are the right. Okay, we have one last point to make, but Ari Burma, you go first. Well, I just want to clarify, if it says Kinegami, does that mean that Kilah is also considered... Uh, no, it, it, even if it's symbolic, we could c- conclude that the right in the symbolism. That's not a problem. Yeah, it doesn't mean that everything in the, in the game is Durabana. Yeah. Um well it depends on the following thing. Let's let's just look at one more thing, okay? Everyone go back to the first page, Yomas page six. Okay, one more Gemara, guys, and we'll put the last thing on the board, and I'll do a summary, and we'll get to go. Okay, here we go. Ezra. Ezra, right? Yeah. Daniel, I'm sorry. I mixed you up with uh, Ezra Fisher over there. Sorry. Okay. Daniel, you're from Toronto, right? Yeah. Okay, great. As a sheep going view. Okay, excellent. Okay, here we go. Look at source 6. Avapisha Amru Asr Bakulan, even though we said they're all Asr, Lo Amru Anosh Karei, Here again, we have a distinction. Not that they're leniencies, but the harsh punishment. Oh, Yom Kippur is a very harsh thing. It's an Isser Kari. Guess what? The Isser Kari is only for eating and drinking. It's not for showering. Okay, next. The Tanah Rabbi Yosef Bashar Sifid Rab, Minayin, Yom Kippur, Mishasa Berchitsa, Besichum, Yelatas, Not Hashemita. Now, notice two things. First of all, the phrase here is not Kenegami, but Minayin. And notice what's on the list. All the other things, but not eating and drinking. Look what the Mar does. A remarkable move. Talmud Lomar, Shabbaton, Shvut, rest. Now, I have to admit, this is quite shocking, but it would change the, the game. Okay, when the Torah says make it a day of Shabbaton, make it a day of rest, what would most of us think? What do you rest from? Work. Work. So I would say if we were to derive anything from Shabbaton, I would derive the Isra Malachim from Shabbaton. Without justifying it, just to get the facts here, what does the Gemara seem to argue here? How do I manifest my rest, as it were? I rest from showering. I rest from uh, relations. So again, I didn't explain how we could get there, but Shabbaton seems to be the source. Once that's true, guys, I think we now have a second option, and then I'm going to re- summarize the entire shift. Right, what do I have here? We said before that there's got to be a difference between eating and drinking and the rest. So till now, I went with like levels. The right to verse, the Rabbanan. What if I went with a different way? It's not a question of the right to verse, the Rabbanan. It's, it's a different kind of halakha. Maybe Inui is only about eating and drinking. And the other Isurim are derived from a totally different source, from this Shabbaton source. And that opens up the possibility, which we, in the last four minutes, I don't really have time to explore. What if we somehow come to an argument why the Shabbaton is a more flexible Isur than, than the Inui? And at that point, we could then again explain why the other Isurim have leniencies, which eating and drinking... Do not. Okay, any questions on the entire year? And I'll do a two minute summary. Leave. Shut off, guys. Have you all met Leave so far? Yeah? You yeah, haven't met him yet. Okay. Is Lee Markowitz? He's, can, can I tell what happened to you? Or it's, okay. okay, he started the year in Binghamton. He was going to be the star of Binghamton. And then he just missed Yeshiva. And he, one day he just, what were you majoring in? I did not Okay, one day he just closed his architecture book and said, I'm coming back to Yeshiva. And here he is. Okay. What? Oh, yeah, sorry. He was going to come back in January, but he 
just decided that it's January. Okay, yeah, we <laughs> leave. Go ahead. Oh, yes, true. You are, by the way. I think no one's done that before in yeshiva or the history. You are the fastest one to give up on university education. Yeah, 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 leave. Go ahead. So is it just, I, 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 I indicates, you know, Okay, I admit, I, I left that murky. You, you need to work out why Shabbaton would relate to physicality. I admit, I admit, I did not answer that question. I admit. Great question. You're saying we don't interpret Shabbaton that way on Shabbos. That's a killer question. Very good. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It says the word Enoi in the Torah five times. Yeah, yeah. In to Yom oh, uh, I think in relation to Yom Kippur. Yeah, I think it says it more than five times if you go with Kotor or Chumash. Okay, see guys, he's just back. Big ready asking a, a killer question in the first minute. Okay, just off the bench. Okay, yeah. So, more also on that, for the Shantan Yeah. Um, Yom Kippur, it seems, also has, is a different chapter than other sources because if you look right before uh, excellent. So you want to claim that somehow one of the answers to this question might be if somehow Shabbat Shabbaton is a different meaning than Shabbaton. Exactly, yeah. Interesting. Okay, who else? Ari Burn. Well, look, it uses the word Shabbaton. The question is, what does that mean? What is the implication of being a day of Shabbaton? Okay, one minute review, guys, and we're done. You guys are excellent, uh, excellent crowd here for the first year calling. Okay, so again, guys, in general, your call is 11 o'clock on Thursday, and then I think half of you have been here afterward, right? I'm not sure what the other half has. Yeah. You'll, you'll figure it out. Okay, here we go, guys. Notice again how Gamar can teach you to analyze and to read closely. First, let's do some analysis and close reading, actually. Why do we have a different shear for the amount of food? Ah, because it's different terminology. When the terminology is akhila, then it's kizai. When the terminology is inoi, it's about what settles your mind, and therefore it is a kotev Great. Next, why is there a difference between eating and drinking which have no leniencies and all these other things which have leniencies? One possibility is to say it's the right to verse Rabbanon. That's a classic move. Perhaps even more subtle would be based on what we just said, no, they're both Doraita, but they're different Doraita categories. There's a category called Inui, which somehow is harsher, and there's a category called Shabbaton, which is somehow more flexible. And if the other prohibitions derive from Shabbaton, then we can understand why they're especially Nisis. Okay, finally, guys, we just this interesting Machshav idea, if you remember, we tried to figure out why the Mun was Inui. The simplest way to go might be to say it wasn't the Mun that was Inui, it was the hunger before the Mun that was Inui. And that would fit with Yom Kippur, of course. But the Gemara did make two other suggestions that the money itself could be the Inui. Either this important psychological idea that people don't like dependency, therefore the money's the Inui. Or the uh, second idea that part of eating and drinking is the presentation, is the other aspects, and therefore the money didn't have that. So those are both interesting. And uh, to sum it up, and we even discovered that Arthur Tarka went to culinary school in the girls' wing of Lubavitch. Wow. That was an exciting discovery. All right, everybody have a great job, guys.